Welcome to the Project Weird Podcast. I'm Danny Kay, and I'm here to help you build your future on your terms by showing you how to effectively manage your time to fit the things you want to do into all the other stuff you have to do. I'll even be mixing in some of the fun activities, artwork, writings, and other projects and interests I'm able to enjoy due to effectively managing my time and hope that it will inspire you to make more time for your goals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Project Weird. Uh, I'm Danny Kay, and I am a transitional. I know it might come as a shock to all of you, and I wanted to admit it to my audience first. I'm a transitional. I prefer transition over drastic change. Um, I think it's a better lifestyle for me, um, and I want to share with you why I'm so proud of being a transitional. And I encourage others to take on this type of lifestyle in order to incorporate more change into their lives in a more palatable way. The reason why I kind of use this word as opposed to full-on change uh, is because I encourage change. I encourage people to try new things always and go after certain aspirations. Um, That's why we're here, right? Your future, your way. So change is a big proponent of our lives. Um, We either bring it on ourselves with the various goals we set for ourselves, or it's thrust upon us through external influences and we have no control over them. Uh, Either way, change happens, right? Biggest difference, though, is that when change is put on us, we have no control over how we're receiving it, right? It's either it's going to happen, it already happened. So in a blink of an eye, something could be different. As opposed to in your own life, when you're setting up your own goals or making change for yourself, you can set the pace for how quickly or how slowly that change is going to happen. And I think that if you set the pace, you have more success in the long term because you're doing it your way, right? Now, I also deal with chronic anxiety. I don't mind talking about it, but what it does do is whenever there's change, as much as I've learned to kind of roll with the punches and deal with my anxiety in a a productive way so that change is not detrimental to me, my anxiety is triggered more when the change is very drastic. Let's take the pandemic, for instance. One Friday, my daughter went to school and everything was normal. And then she came home and said, mom, due to the pandemic, none of us are going back to school and I'm going to be home all day. So as happy as I was that I was going to be able to see her, all these thoughts came rushing into my head. How does it get set up? How is she getting an education? Am I going to be able to be home with her? What, you know, there were thousands of questions at the same time. But I was able to handle it. You know, I didn't break down. I'm able to channel my energy in a productive way and was able to get through it. Now, if there was notice about the pandemic, which none of us could have had, so that's an unrealistic equation. But for instance, if the pandemic was say, okay, uh, a pandemic's going to be released on mid-March and we could prepare for the change, how much different would that have been, right? Schools, hospitals, the world could have prepared in a totally different way. But again, external influences can't really do anything about them. So in order to minimize my anxiety, minimize the anxiety of the people around me, I choose to do things more in a transitional way. Transitions are used in all aspects of life, not just you know in, in goals and, and in your day-to-day. So while I was preparing for this podcast, I was kind of just looking around on the internet and trying to find different meanings for transitional, seeing if I could like play on various angles or connect them to kind of the point I'm trying to make today in regards to, you know, the the benefits of transitioning as opposed to just straight up drastic change. And, you know, there was some that you kind of know, you know, transitions on the earth you know, the transition from like a shoreline onto like land. There's a change in altitude. There's a change in environment. You know, there's, there's various transitions on the earth. 
So those are kind of um, more visual aspects of it. I think we all are kind of comfortable with it in grammar. You know, you have transitional sentences to move the reader from one paragraph to another in between sentences to kind of take the reader on a journey. And also we notice that the author will not use those transitions on purpose, right? Just to make that change a little more drastic and put the reader a little bit more at ease deliberately, right? So they're either used or not used for the same purpose. Another place you can see it is in evolution. Evolution is not something that's overnight. It's not a change that we even notice. You don't wake up one morning and you have your chickens in the backyard and then you wake up the next morning and they've turned into elephants. Not that a chicken might have probably ever will evolve into an elephant, but that's certainly a change we don't expect to see. When we talk about evolution, there are those discoveries throughout various time periods that kind of show this slow transition into the animals or the people that we see today. There is a lot of use of transitional actions and exercises that are utilized for people with autism. The article I found was from the Indiana Resource Center for Autism. I'll put the link in the show notes if you'd like to read the entire article. It was pretty interesting. I think some of the exercises don't specifically even pertain to children and adults with autism. Um, obviously, it's a benefit for them, and it's great that it allows them to be more comfortable with change. But also, it's some exercises that maybe any child or any adult could use because all they are kind of triggers. So what the uh, Indiana Resource Center for Autism did was notice that there was more success from one activity to another when there was more predictability. There was less success when a pattern or behavior was disrupted. So transitional strategies were introduced, um, such as verbally or auditorily, even visually, in order to create that predictability. Examples like if the child was supposed to do an art project and then they were going to be moving into a story time was to give a verbal cue a few minutes earlier. You know, hey, we're going to be cleaning up in two minutes and then moving on to story time. So there was that warning ahead of time that there was going to be a change. So the child would already kind of know this is what's coming next in my day. They used clocks a lot also. So the child could continuously see what was going to be coming next. They knew that when time was going to be running out, that that exercise was going to be over and they were moving in to the next exercise. Other visual cues like a daily schedule so the child knew exactly what was going to happen throughout the entire day ahead of time so that there wasn't really any surprises. Now, any child, of course, isn't going to remember an entire day's worth of activities. It allowed them to be more comfortable with their whole day because there was an initial preparation. So all of these combined created more of a predictability. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. And again, those types of visual cues, I mean, a schedule for the day, I think anyone can benefit from that, from planning out their day, knowing what the expectation is for the day. Children, adults, on the spectrum, not on the spectrum, busy, bored, anybody. I think that you just are more prepared when you kind of know what you're up against, right? And how the day is going to flow. So not only did I find out something new about autism when I was doing this research, I found out some tips that kind of work across the board, right? So again, change, it's more drastic. Change is you change your clothes. There's a change in the weather. You change your mood. You know, these are drastic change. It's one thing to the next blink of an eye. And again, mostly that's due to external influences. You know, you can't stop the weather. You change your clothes because you have to go to work or something spilled on you. Like it just is something that you kind of have to deal with. 
you don't transition your clothes, right? You don't slowly need to change from your work outfit to your going out outfit. And someone's going to go, oh my, like, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to change back into those other clothes. Like, I don't know who you are anymore, right? It's those types of changes. They're fine. But when it comes to lifestyle changes, those can become very jarring and those can become less palatable to others around you. So how do you make drastic lifestyle changes without any fear of failing or fear of the change in general for yourself or the fear by others that there's going to be a change, right? But making changes in your life are good. You know, you shouldn't fear change. But with lifestyle changes, it doesn't just affect you. It affects others around you. Let's say you want to get healthier, right? I want to lose weight. I want to get healthy. I'm sick of what I look like. Um, I'm not eating well. I want to change. So what do you do? You do the food shopping and you bring home the most amazing, you know, meal prep foods. You did all your research, a low carb, high protein, really healthy. There's a lot of produce going on. You've never seen that much lettuce in your fridge in, in your whole life. Every color of the rainbow is now in your house to be eaten. You start exercising every morning, 5 a.m., two-hour workouts, you know, the, these this huge change. And it all happened from Friday when you decided this to Saturday when you went to the grocery store. So now Saturday night comes and you start cooking and your partner is kind of looking at the food and you're exhausted because you've been up since five and your child is looking at you like, like, what is this food in front of me? Everybody's kind of like deer in headlights, right? And you are just so proud of yourself. And everyone's looking at you like, what is going on? And you're like, I'm getting healthy. Look what I did today. And look, and you're so excited. But now you're looking at faces of, you know, your partner looking at you, wanting to support you. And of course, being supportive, but not sure what to say, you know, oh, that's, that's great. And you kind of get that, that's great. And then it kind of trails off and your child is looking at this food. Like I'm not eating it. Nope. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm not eating this. And also now you've been up since four thirty, five o'clock to exercise for two hours. You're not used to it. And now you're exhausted and it's only seven 30. You put the dishes away and you want to go to bed and your child is used to having a book read. And now you're not reading that book. You're way too tired. So think of a, what you did to your body that day and how much change you put yourself through, but also think about the people around you that had no idea what was happening. And then it was kind of put on them to kind of take this all in. So no one's really on the same page. Your body and mind are not really on the same page. Your family wasn't on the same page. And you know, you do this for a few days and you're sick of kind of telling everybody, this is what I want to do. Why aren't you more supportive? And they're looking at you like, well, we're trying. And a kid could totally just reject all of it. And why was that? It was because you didn't tell anybody what you were going to be doing. People that love you and care about you are going to support what you're doing. But if they don't know about it, you're pushing an external change on them that's very quick. And that's not going to help you in your journey because now you're kind of doing this alone again, right? We don't, you know, and doing it alone is fine, but do you want to do it alone and fight with everybody else to accept what this change was when it could be avoided? I mean, sometimes that happens, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. I've had to deal with it. If you don't like it, I'm doing it. I don't really care. 
And that happens in life. And sometimes it's the best decisions you ever make. It's quite empowering. But if that could be avoided and you have people that are like, can be cheerleaders for you during this change, why not, right? So create that transition. Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. Talk to your partner about it. They might want to do it with you. They might get all excited and be like, cool, let's do this together. And then the expectation is already set there. So on Saturday, when you go food shopping and you put food in front of everybody, everybody knew what was going on. When you tell everybody, hey, listen, I want to start running in the morning. I'm going to be tired seven o'clock at night, we have to start changing our schedules. You slowly change the schedule. Now your child gets the book. Now you get your sleep. Now your partner isn't stressed out because they're left with something they didn't expect to be left with. It makes it a little bit easier. Huge commitment requires a transition. I got divorced. Is it weird to say that it was a successful divorce? Maybe, but I consider it a win. Um, My ex-husband and I are still friends. Uh, We have a very good partnership when we're still parenting for our daughter. And I attribute that to transitioning out of marriage. I think everyone kind of sees signs. I mean, unless you're totally blindsided, which I'm sure happens, and you had no idea that your partner was this unhappy and you are blissfully happy, it could come as a shock. But I think in hindsight, a lot of people kind of go, oh, well, you know, signs were there. We should have done this earlier. You know, why didn't we get counseling? What did we, you know, And but sometimes it's over. I think the most important thing we did was, was we talked about it and said, okay, this probably isn't working out. We need to separate. And, you know, we actually helped each other. You know, do you want to keep the couch and I'll take the bed and, oh, I want to get a new television so you can take that and I'll help you find a place to stay. And it took like two months for him to move out. It wasn't a drastic change. We talked to our daughter about what was going to happen. Our families were even kind of given the heads up. So as much as everyone's like, oh my gosh, like what happened? We, as the people involved in the situation, were able to transition from being a couple to being separated and then divorcing. And a lot has come out of it. We can still talk to each other and still confide in each other, still laugh. There's no awkwardness. Whereas if we would have waited and was to the point of it's over, where all of a sudden there was a fight and that weekend a bag is packed, the relationship would be completely broken. It could affect our daughter. It could affect us. I mean, this was way healthier because it's hard anyway. I mean, it was a very dark time, but it could have been much worse. And now there's no hate. There's no extra baggage that we have to process during something that's already difficult. So the transition helps in a lot of big ways. And if you're listening and you're a little bit younger, there's transitions in your life that are huge, you know, that I think are more difficult because in your friend circles, everybody's kind of going through the same flow of their lives. And sometimes you lose a lot of friends because you want to make a change and that's scary. You know, let's say you you went through college, right? You're done. You made all your friends. You're kind of working. It's a good job, but you're, you know, you want to do something a little bit more. You want to you want to progress in your career and that's going to require you to go back to school. So, you're really excited about it. You you go online, you register for school, you get your funding, you have your classes registered for, and then a happy hour, you tell your friends, hey, let's celebrate. I'm going back to school on Monday. And they're like, what? Like, why? Why are you going back to school? What happened? And you're like, oh no, it's a good thing. Like I'm doing, and they're like, everybody celebrates. Everybody's excited. But then, you know, they're inviting you out and you have papers due and you have to focus more on school and you missed a couple of maybe birthday parties or other celebrations by other friends, or people are texting you and you aren't responding quick enough because 
you're tired or distracted in a study group, have a final, you know, there's this time that you need to separate, which is completely fine and necessary. And you should do that. I mean, focus on what you want to do. But wouldn't it have been easier if you told everybody kind of what you were doing, told them when you were going to be starting, told them what was going to be happening? You know, I still love you guys. I still want to be part of stuff. I won't be able to be there for everything. This is really important to me. I need your support. I need your buy-in. And of course, your friends are going to be like, great. Yes, totally. So that Friday, when instead of telling them this for the first time, they truly can celebrate with you because now they're setting off on the expectation with you. And isn't that just way better? Now, in all of these, we're kind of giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and that they're going to be supportive, right? I mean, I can tell you sometimes they're not. Sometimes they still don't get it. Sometimes people don't like change no matter how slow because you're not transitioning at their pace. You're transitioning at your pace. So sometimes it still will be difficult for other people to accept what you're doing, but that is on them. I mean, you tried your best, right? You're, you are considering them, you are doing that, but when it comes down to it, you still want to do what you want to do. This is your way, right? We're weirdos here. We do things our way. We want our future our way on our terms, but it doesn't mean we're going to bulldoze through everybody else's life. We're going to be considerate. We want people to do this with us. We want people to support us. We want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. But if you're not going to follow that, then, well, you know, I'm still going to do it. I mean, I'm not going to not going to be like, oh, you don't think that's a good idea or you don't feel comfortable with it. Okay, I won't. No, I'm still going to do it. But let's figure out how you're going to be comfortable. And then eventually it's on them. I mean, don't, don't hold yourself too accountable for everybody else's feelings. So you'll never get it. Trust me, I'm way too empathetic for my own good. So what are all of these examples that we've talked about? All of the ways that it transitional is used in science and English and, and all the examples that we use with marriage and divorce and, and health changes, college, all of these different things, what do they have in common? They, they all require that the change happen more slowly in order to be successful. Whether you are going to tell other people about it, you have that external support, or you're doing it for yourself, right? It could be great that you're waking up at 5 a.m. and all of a sudden running five miles. Is your body ready for that? Did you transition your body to be more healthy? Did you train for that five miles or did you just kind of hit the ground running and you're going to do this? When you transition and slowly build to that, it's going to be more successful. Another thing in common with all these factors is your informing those around you, right? When we were talking about the children on the autistic spectrum, telling them what's going to happen was extremely beneficial to set the expectation. When we were talking about going back to school, you set the expectation. When you wanted to get healthy, you set the expectation. This is how I plan to do it. How is this going to work for you? Well, we'll consider it, but you know, this is how it's going to happen. And in order to make that transition, it's baby steps. These little pieces that will slowly build into your bigger goal will be more palatable for you and be more palatable for the people around you. So don't be afraid of change, but also don't feel as if it should come at lightning speed ever. You're not going to make a change today and tomorrow it's going to be totally different. You're not going to change from a chicken to an elephant in a day. And if you want to change from a chicken to an elephant in a day, there's not many people that are going to probably be there to help you, right? They're going to be like, what? You'll be better prepared to succeed through a process and others will be better prepared to support you along the way. So here's to all of us chickens wanting to become elephants. And it may take a long freaking time, but if that's what we want to do, we'll get there. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Project Weird Podcast. I hope it inspires you to create your future on your terms and carve out a little bit of time to do it. If you enjoy the show, I would love it if you rated and subscribed to help spread the word. 
And if you want more advice and resources or want to just keep up on all of my latest art and writing creations, visit my website at projectweird.com. That's projectwyrd.com. Thanks again.